Hey, welcome to Let's Talk with your host, Kelvin Newkirk Jr. Listen, I'm so excited you're here. And let me tell you, this is the perfect podcast for you. Because on this podcast, we're going to have honest, open, and biblical conversations about things people love to talk about. Also about things people hate to talk about. So with that being said, let's hop into it. Hey everybody, once again, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk. Listen, I'm so happy you're here with me today. I'm like really ecstatic that you're here with me today. And I cannot believe we made it this far as it is the halfway mark of the first season of this podcast. It's an understatement to say that I'm extremely blessed to have made it this far in the season. And really like all the feedback that I've gotten from everyone over these past few weeks have been absolutely amazing. Um, and it's really built my confidence a little bit because I, like, as I've said before, I never thought I would be in a position to even start something like this. And I really surprised myself with this one. And I guarantee that there is more in store. I tell you two things that you learn, um, when starting a podcast. Number one, you learn about consistency. Consistency is key. I've learned that so much. Number two, um, especially when you're doing a podcast like this where you're actually teaching or explaining biblical principles, you really realize how much the pressure is on you to actually learn yourself. Like I've never realized that. Like I like at my church, at the church that I'm a member of and that I'm in membership of is the best church ever. Seastone Church. Come on, somebody. But um, uh, I personally believe I go to the best church that anyone could ever go to. But to be honest with you, like I I used to teach youth um, and I actually teach the little kids and kids church. And, you know, I do a little something here and there in kids church. And on stage, I facilitate sometimes and I basically teach on tithing and on worship and stuff like that sometimes on different concepts like that. And so one thing that I've realized is like in those settings, I've been forced to grow and I've been forced to learn. And if something goes wrong, you know, pastor and make it all better for me. Like if something goes wrong, there's other teachers in kids church who can kind of explain what I said in a much better way. Um, my pastor can come up and explain something way better than I could have while I was facilitating. But on a platform like this, it's just me. Like, um, which, you know, by the way, you know, there's people who I consider who are over me who basically listen to this podcast and fact check me, make sure that what I'm saying is biblically sound and make sure I'm haven't lost my mind <laughs> behind the mic. But, um, but I mean, like as soon as I start recording, it's on. Right. And so once I post it, like, yeah, I can delete it. But once people have heard it, you know, there's no really going back that much. Like once people have downloaded it, it's a habit is there. Right. And so, you know, what you say, it registers in the people. And so if somebody's taking notes or somebody's citing this stuff or someone just has really good memory, um, no matter how much I try to delete this episode, it's still in their mind, right? I'm a heretic. So, so, um, which I'm not saying that now it's hypothetical. I'm not, I'm really not a heretic, but, um, but you know, but it's really out there. So I've learned that, that you're forced to learn and you're forced to really take this very seriously. And so that's one thing that I really do. I take this very seriously because I do feel like I'm called to teach. 
I feel like I'm called to preach. I feel that God has placed that calling on me, but it's something that I take seriously because one thing that I realize is if I can't put my all into this for my Lord and Savior, then what can I put my all into? Like, this is my purpose. This is what God has put me on this earth to do. If I can't do it for my, if I can't put my best foot forward for my ultimate purpose, then what am I doing? You know, who am I affecting? Who am I influencing? Right. And so that's stuff that I will be held accountable for. That's stuff that God holds me accountable for. So with that being said, thank you for the feedback. Thank you for reminding me that I'm that I'm stepping out of faith and doing um, what God has called me to do. God has sent so much confirmation from the comments, from the suggestions, and even just from the the general feedback that I've gotten from people. So, man, I just I guarantee you there's more in store, though. I guarantee you there's better and there's more in store. So let's jump into the topic before I ramble on anymore, because I'm a rambler. I am a rambler, a rambler. Um, so before we get into this topic or kind of as an introduction to this topic, I just want to tell you a story of where I personally have experienced this subject matter myself. And so from last August until February of this year, about that time, um, I had some of the worst experiences of my life, right? I'm not going to go too deep into those. Um, but if you know me, you know, and I found myself dealing with situations and problems I never have dealt with before. And I fell into a very deep state of depression. It was equivalent to falling into like a deep hole that I couldn't see the light in. And it was just very dark. And it exhausted me to begin to even try to climb out of that season of my life. And so in that season of my life, I doubted whether God was good. And I doubted everything I knew about the goodness and faithfulness of God. And at that point, I had a decision to make of whether I was going to turn towards God or turn away. And if it wasn't for that moment, I can assure you, I wouldn't be where I am today in my faith walk. And the reason why I dealt with doubt as much as I did, and the reason why this topic is so important to me is because in that season of my life, I felt like a terrible Christian, just in general. I was teaching and I was speaking, and while I was helping people with their doubt, and even teaching about the subject matter, the misconceptions that I heard throughout my life kept me stagnant because I felt that my credibility would be lost if I doubted or if anybody found out I doubted or that my relationship with God had gone down the drain. But now that I'm start that I'm standing on the other side of that season of my life, I realize that those misconceptions are the farthest from the truth. They're so far from the truth. And so Today, we're going to talk about doubt. And the important thing about doubt, and doubt was a very important thing in a, in, in a Christian's relationship with God, is because it's fertile soil. And it can prepare a believer and propel a believer to having more faith. Or it could be very, very fertile ground for unbelief to seep in. And so this topic is going to challenge some people, especially the people who's doubting. Because it's going to almost force you to be to pull out some determination and perseverance that you don't even see in this season of your life. But we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. So today we are going to talk about doubt, as I said before. So one must ask or one may ask, what is doubt? 
And I think the def- the dictionary definition and the biblical definition kind of tie in together a little bit, which is pretty cool. But doubt in the dictionary is the feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Biblically, doubt can be defined in the same way. So I found um, a few definitions for doubt. Um, biblically, um, one thing I saw was the lack of faith, which I feel like um, could be the feeling of uncertainty because I feel like certainty comes with faith. Right. I think through faith, you can be certain about situations through faith. You can be certain about different things in your life that God has provided for you or the provision that's been provided in your life. Um, but I tell you one thing, doubt isn't and doubt is not unbelief. It is not equal to unbelief, but it can lead to unbelief. But doubt is not equal to unbelief. That's another misconception that I heard so much growing up is that doubt was equivalent to unbelief. And I don't want anyone on the other side of this mic on the other side of this platform or on the other side of this play button to understand that doubt is not equal to unbelief. It's okay to be in a doubting season of your life. And we're going to get into that later on. I don't want to spoil anything too much. And so this is a tough topic, like I said before, because it calls for perseverance and determination that you may not see in this moment of your life. And I talk about it like it's so scary <laughs> and it, it can be scary for some believers. It, can, it really can be, but it's not the final say for you. It's not the final say for a believer, right? One can climb out of this hole. So today, what I want to do is I want to provide some truths that can and will help you out of this hole. And it's going to be useful to everyone, whether you are in a season of doubt right now, whether you are helping someone in a season of doubt or whether you had a doubting season. And you're just looking back at this and say, hmm, look at where I came from. And you can look on the other side of this and say, okay, God, you brought me through this. So this is for everyone. And so before I start listing truths, let us look at a scripture in the Gospels that I think will help us God through this episode. So I've never seen this scripture growing up in VBS and everything. So um, the scripture that I'm about to read is may shock a few people. Um, But it comes out of Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 through 3. And it says, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? This isn't the same John that I grew up learning about. This John is doubting. This John is doubting. The only disciple I really heard about that was doubting God was um, was Thomas, right? He's been coined named Doubting Thomas because <laughs> he's like, unless I see the holes in his hand, unless I see him, I won't believe that he really, you know, died and was resurrected and all that good stuff. But right here we see John is doubting God. John sends his disciples and asks, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? But let's get some understanding and clarity and context on why exactly John was doubting God or doubting the Messiah. Right. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 14, verses three through four. It says, now Herod had arrested John and bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful. For you to have her. It's not right for you to be with this man's wife. 
essentially. So he's doing the right thing, right? He's calling Herod out on his mess. We're just going to put it like that. He's calling him out on his mess. And so John feels like, oh my gosh, okay, so I'm saying the right thing. I'm doing the right thing. God, why have you allowed him to lock me up right now? Like, what is going on here? I'm doing the right thing. And so that leads to the first true, right? Your circumstance is not your belief, or it should not be your belief, right? It's never good for you to base your belief from your circumstances, right? Just think about Christianity in general. Like, like we are called or we are in a faith in general that teaches us to believe contrary to the circumstance we may be in in our life, right? Like you may be poor, you may be in poverty, but your father, God, is rich, right? Like, and so you may not have any money, but you're rich. But he may be, he may make you rich in wisdom, right? He may make you rich in heart, rich in soul. Like, even though you're living in poverty, physically you're in poverty, spiritually you can't be rich, right? And that's contrary to the circumstances you may be in at that moment. That's just one example I could come up with. And so John bases belief from his circumstance, because when he did what was right, and when he stood up to Herod, who was obviously doing something wrong, John was in prison, right? And some of us can put ourselves in John's shoes. Maybe you've been in an area of your life where you did something right. You're like, Lord, like I'm doing your will in my life. Why am I going through this? Why did this person who was close to me have to die? Why did this have to be taken away from me? Why did this relationship have to end? Why did this marriage have to end a divorce? Like, why did why did these things have to happen? Even though I'm doing your will, even though I'm doing what you've called me to do, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Right. And that leads to the second true. What I just said. Right. I was asking questions. I was hypothetically like put in this hypothetical situation. I was listing off these hypothetical situations, but I was asking questions. And that goes into the to, to the second true. And it says turning to God will always be the right answer. And Matthew, it said that John sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah. And there's something powerful in that. There's something powerful in the question. And so this part of scripture shows that he decided to turn towards God and ask. Even when he could assume or he could have assumed and turned away from God. Um, this is where I personally feel that I went wrong and a lot of other believers can maybe get it wrong too. Because growing up, we're always, we were taught that you shouldn't question God, right? Like don't ever question God. Never, ever, ever question God. And I think that is the farthest from the truth. I think that's so far from the truth. That is so far because the same people that are telling us not to question God are the same people that provided us with these scriptures in the Bible that literally come from people who's questioned God in some type of way. Literally, I mean, think about Moses. Moses, in a way, he questioned God. God's calling for his life, what God had wanted, where God wanted him to go and what God wanted him to do. He questioned that. Job literally asked God a question. And so, it's okay to question God. 
Now, I think the intent behind that was was good. Like, I think the intent of you shouldn't question God is good because on the surface, it seems like you're being disrespectful to God. Like, God, why are you doing this? Like, it sounds like you're questioning his power. It sounds like you're questioning him being all powerful in your life. But it's okay to question God as long as there's reverence behind that question. As long as you're genuinely you're grieving your spirit and like, Lord, like, what is going on? Like, why am I going through this? Show me which, where you want me to be in life with this burden that I have to carry. Right. In Job chapter seven, verse 20, Job asked God this question. He says, if I have sinned, what have I done to you? You who sees everything we do. Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? That that comes from Job. And so we know the story of Job. Job, who lost everything he had and still, still managed to have faith in God. But here we see he's asking him a question. And he still acknowledges him. He shows him reverence. You who sees everything that we do. So he's saying that like you're everywhere. Like you're, you're able, you're in control of everything. Like you see everything. You're right there. He acknowledges who he is, but he still asks him a question. Like, really, what's going on? Like, why, why am I the target of all this pain and all this grief? And so one thing I've realized is that when we ask God questions, God shows up. God, he, he shows up. And this leads to the third true. That Jesus meets us where we are. God meets us where we are, and he does not condemn us for being where we are. I remember hearing a a pastor say this a while back, and I don't know if if my pastor said this or not. He may have, but it says, and I think he did say this. I think he did say this a while back, but he said, God wants you to come as you are, but he doesn't want you to stay as you are. Right? Right? Jesus meets us where we are. One thing that I pray all the time when I pray at church and when I'm facilitating and stuff like that, before our church goes back into worship, I pray over everyone. I pray over myself too. Jesus, meet us where we are. I say, God, meet us where we are. Because he has the ability to do that. And he is willing to do that. He's so willing. He's so loving that he's willing to meet you wherever you are to have a relationship with you. He's the highest king that's prepared to stoop to the lowest area that you're at to pull you out of the area and to let you know that he's your God and that he loves you. Legit. I mean, physically, Jesus showed this. At, at, at the Last Supper, he washed his disciples' feet. Now, in that culture, right? I don't want to ramble too much, but I don't want to get stuck here either. But in that culture, Jesus, Jesus took the position of the lowest servant because in that day, when they would have dinner or when they would have supper and stuff like that at someone's house, the lower before they came into the house, the feet, feet in Arabic culture is the dirtiest part of somebody's body. It's like if I was to point my foot up at you, it would be equivalent to sticking the middle finger up at you. Like it's really like feet are really disgusting. Feet are nasty in Arabic culture. And so even then, even thousands of years ago, the lowest servant will wash people's feet to prepare them to go into a house for dinner. Right, the lowest servant would do that, and so Jesus washed his disciples' feet. To, he took the position of the lowest servant to show his love for his disciples, and so he doesn't. 
He loves us. He loves us so much. He's willing to meet us where we are. And if that doesn't show it, I don't know what else does. But it says, but, you know, Jesus meets us where we are. And he doesn't condemn. I know I've repeated that so many times. But he doesn't condemn. Let's look at John chapter 3, verse 17. This is rebounding right off of John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so a lot of people miss out on this one. It says, for God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Right. So later in Matthew, we see that Jesus answers John's question instead of condemning him of asking the question himself. He doesn't condemn John. He doesn't say he doesn't answer back to his disciples and say, well, why is he doubting in the first place? Like, I'm like, why is he doubting me in the first place? Right. Like he's my cousin. Like what? Like what you doing, brother? Like, come on, man. Um, But Jesus doesn't do that. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 11, verses four through five, this is what it says. It says, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear, heard, what you hear and see. Excuse me. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus points to him. The evidence. Sorry, I lost where I was. He points him the evidence of what he has done to answer his question. Also, he meets him exactly where he is and shows him through words everything that's going on. Right. Like and that is powerful in itself. Right. Sometimes. We just have to seek God through this season of our life because it all started with a question and we cannot effectively face our doubt and tackle the season of our life if we never get reminded of what God has done for us. Sometimes you just have to ask, God, what are you doing in this moment of my life? Or God, why do you have me here? Um, I don't have the scripture, but in Job, we see that also where Job asked God a question. And Job was questioning God, and he's like, Lord, what's, like, what's going on? And God answers back. God answers back. God was like, where were you when I did this? Where were you when I did that? Where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? Where were you when I did this and when I did that? And so what he's doing is he's showing the evidence that he is still in control and that he's still God. He is showing him that he is still God. He is showing him the evidence or what he's done. And sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to look back on the evidence of what God has done for you in your life. In the area you're in to propel you to more faith. Right. And so all of this is amazing. Somebody may ask and somebody may say, all of this is amazing. And I hope you overcome doubt. But we must come to believe this true. Before we can start the process of facing our doubt. And this is going to conclude this episode. But it's important to realize that doubt is okay. And it happens to even the best Christians. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verse 11. 11, 11. Come on now, make a wish. Um, it says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Jesus is sticking the point that even the greatest saints of all times are going to have times and seasons of doubt. 
right? I love David from the Bible, right? I love David. David is a man after God's own heart. And this is where I want to, this is the scripture that I want to kind of conclude this true on. And it comes out of Psalm chapter 13. It says, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I've overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation and I will sing the Lord's praises for he has been good to me. This is powerful. This is actually one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Because it literally shows someone who's doubted God, who's in a period of doubt, but is literally making the decision to look to God. He's making the decision to seek God. He's looking at this, he's looking at the, the decision. He's making the decision. Sorry, he's making the decision to look back on what God has done for him. Because this way it says, but I trust in your unfailing love. Right? You have to, you have to have experience that unfailing love to be able to trust in it. And so that's what he is. He's what he's doing is he's looking back on what God has done for him. My heart rejoices in your salvation. That's another piece. That is another piece that shows, hey, God, you've done something for me. So I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm going to look back on that in the moment I'm in to propel me to where I'm going, to propel me to better faith, better, better and bigger faith. So remember that doubt is part of everyone's walk of faith. And that's not where your faith ends. It is a leaping pad for you to gain more faith and to look back on the history you have of God in that season of doubt that you're in to bring you into the next phase of your Christian walk. With that being said, just go out and help somebody. Go out and affect somebody. Go out and Show somebody that you love them by helping them get over this doubt. And with that point being said, I love you all. And I hope you have an amazing week. Until next time, I'll talk to you again. Bye.